Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of For What It's Nerd. I'm Peralta of Peralta's Plus, and we're back after two weeks off to discuss Wakanda Forever. Now, this movie is something that I've been thinking about for the past two days, near nonstop, um, and there's a lot to say. We probably won't cover it all within the episode because there's there's just that much. Um, but I'm kind of going to spew my thoughts out about the movie and hopefully make some kind of coherent um, standing on where I think the movie sits in the MCU when movie going generally. Um, so general statements aside, uh, general, uh, should I say general statements to start, um, the movie is really good. Um, I did really enjoy it. And um, there's a lot of reasons for that. It's a very respectful movie, but it's also a humorous movie. It's a very serious movie, but it's also a very lighthearted movie. Um, there's a lot of good themes in this movie, but it also takes the time for characters as well. And I think that's why this movie succeeds ultimately. One thing I will say in regards to that, though, is that the first act, so to speak, the first, you know, um, the, the grieving of T'Challa was very hard for pacing. Now, obviously, it was necessary and very, it was very welcoming to watch as, you know, people who have watched the MCU, uh, enjoyed Black Panther, obviously, I said about the passing of Chadwick Boseman. It was obviously, it was, it was necessary and it felt right. But it didn't help the movie in regards to pacing. And those are two separate issues. You know, um, we can appreciate what it what it was and enjoyed what it was and understood what it stood for, but it almost felt prequel-esque to the movie, if that makes sense. Obviously, it sets up the movie's plot and the idea of family and losing family and ve uh, like vengeance and revenge and all those things. It, it, it sets those up. But, um, you know, it, it, it's... It was still kind of like we need to kind of get going with plot, and plot didn't come until I'd say twenty five minutes in, slightly something like that. Um, and then you kind of start hitting the ground running, and then from there, I think the movie just um, keeps getting ramped up and ramped up and ramped up. There's very few moments where you get to stop. Um, but saying that, all of the movie manages to characterize these characters perfectly. Um, Shuri as the new protagonist uh, in this movie is astounding, really well done. Uh, you can see the conflict in her as regards Wakanda tradition versus her technology. Um, that's a big part of the movie. And also the way she wants things to be done versus how Wakanda does them generally, um, which again is very, very interesting. And it sets up a nice di dichotomy because with T'Challa, he was always willing with what was put in front of him, if that makes sense. He was always willing to change. And, you know, from the first movie, for example, he asks Nakia, what would you have me do? And she tells him, and he essentially tries to do it. The opposite is true in this film. Um, I mean, Nakia actually has this moment with Shuri where she says, be careful, you know, you, you, might, be, you might lose yourself. And she's like, I already have lost myself. It's very opposite to T'Challa. And I like that because it sets them up as very different Black Panthers. Um, regardless of the fact that they are different characters, if you know what I mean. Um, opposite to that, um, you have Ramonda, who is a very, um, she's a pillar of this movie. Uh, very important. Without her, I don't think the movie would, um, would kind of exist, if that makes sense. She's very, she's a driving force in this movie, and she, she, she does it well. Um, you know, Angela Bassett in this movie is great, uh, really well um, 
acted. There's some really strong lines from her and strong um, imagery as well. The fact that this movie is where we get more intimate settings with her um, was great because that's what this movie started to be was ensemble cast. Shuri is still the protagonist, but you have moments with Ramonda, you have moments with Akoye, you have moments with uh, Riri Williams, who was introduced in this movie, Everett Ross, you have, um, you know, you have Mbaku, you have all these characters that are adding to this Wakandan story, and it's really well done, really well woven together. Now, sometimes you felt that that was kind of hard to follow because you did kind of zip around a little bit, and again, that's a pacing issue, but the movie had a lot to do. So, Similarly to Endgame and similarly to Infinity War, in a sense, there's a lot of stuff that needs to be done in this movie and needs to be succeed, like um, completed to succeed in this movie. And so sometimes, yes, you were racing from scene to scene, and sometimes you would have scenes where Ramonda had just done something and then she was in this other scene straight away, and that like little jump was kind of slightly jarring. But that's that's necessary for this movie it's a you're, you're, it's a it's a world almost continent hopper movie you're moving around a lot i mean i think in this movie alone there is like haiti there's talokan which is the, the um the i, I want to say i was going to say atlantean capital but that's not you know um Nemo isn't atlantean in this but yeah talokan um and then you have um you have massachusetts you have um you, you're in the CIA headquarters one minute, then you're in Wakanda, you're in Jabari land. There's a lot of different um, places in this movie, which is understandable because the movie is about at least three different world powers um, trying to you know, deal with the vibranium crisis, so to speak. But yeah, very fun, very exciting stuff. Uh, Nemo is a great villain as well. Let's talk about Nemo for a second. Um, the first mutant properly announced in the MCU. And yes, very good, very enjoyable. Um, I liked his backstory this time around, changing it to be, um, you know, of a different origin. Uh, removing the Atlantean um, connection doesn't harm Namor, I don't think. In fact, I think it adds to him. He is godlike in this movie. He is strong in this movie. He is impactful. Um, and that's sometimes used to comedic effect, and that's sometimes used to very serious effect. It's an amazing visual moment when Neymar is essentially attacking the Wakandan throne, and it's just stellar. Like, it, you can tell everything about Neymar in that moment. And I think that's true of, of going forward as well. I think Neymar is going to be a threat consistently going forward. Maybe not for a long time, but for a, a consistent amount of time. Let's put it that way. And yeah, I'm excited to see where that goes. I'm excited to see when Neymar is going next. Because yes, slight spoiler, doesn't die at the end of the movie. He is actually one of the few Marvel villains who will survive yet again to go and uh, do some more bad stuff. So that's very fun. That's very exciting. We haven't, we don't get that as as often. And I was very happy about that. I thought he was going to die. I thought the way they set it up was going to kill him off, but no. And so that's very exciting and it tips the world scale in terms of the MCU's world scale, should I say, in terms of how um, powerful, like how the world's power scale is. Like I'm saying the same words again and again and again. What I mean is, Neymar being on the board changes the world politics of the MCU a lot, is, is what I'm trying to say. Not, not that America and such like are aware of it just yet, but they will be, and it will be 
scary, I think, for them, which is very exciting. It, it's something different. It's a, it's a big threat, but at home, which is different to, you know, your Thanos or your, um, you know, your other kind of alien threats, et cetera, and so on. Um, yeah, so one thing I do want to pick up on as well, and this is an interesting one because she's pivotal to the movie, and that's Riri Williams, Ironheart. Um, Dominique Thorne, who played her, uh, was really good in the role. Um, really funny. Uh, there were some really funny lines that she got and really, like, you know, um, interesting parts. And, and, and there was a kind of very poignant moment between her and Ramonda, for example. So there is stuff there that was very good. And I did like her character. My issue is, I don't know if this was the place for Ironheart. Now, Dominique Thorne playing you know, another character, a, a character who comes in and is a scientist and ends up having some type of armor or some type of, you know, one thing or another. Um, yeah, I would have I would have gone with that. I think the issue with this is Ironheart has essentially no link to Iron Man, which I get from the standpoint of you can't really bring back Robert Downey Jr. at this point. He's dead and the AI thing would still cost as much money as Robert Downey Jr. costs. So I understand in that way that it wouldn't necessarily work, but like you have other characters that are Iron-esque. You know, you can always bring Pepper or Happy or, you know, uh, Rhodey or, or, you know, any of those um, to kind of protege, Riri, so to speak. And they didn't. Um, and not saying that they could do that in this movie, but there's no reference or a kind of moving forward with that. I think she essentially became, for want of a better term, you only knew she was Ironheart if you didn't not watch, if you didn't, if you read comics, should I say. If you didn't, then you would be like, huh? And I think that's, that's hard to kind of grasp from an audience perspective. But again, she's a really good actress clearly and she was really funny she had some really good scenes and um in fact their retrieving her from massachusetts was really fun like that was my favorite scene in the movie maybe like the the um the whole chase by the cia and the cops to the bridge then the fight with atuma and namora that was really great like a great sequence um, but yeah, I, I do question why Ironheart, not why Dominique Thorne, not why her role in the movie, that was great. I just think Ironheart specifically, it wasn't my, my, my it wouldn't be my first choice. Um, yeah, that's my thought on that. Um, otherwise, I think the movie really stands to change the MCU going forward. Now, obviously, we have Shuri as the Black Panther. Um, we have um, M'Baku seems to be, be becoming the king of Wakanda, which is very interesting. Uh, and on top of that, we have Nakia, who reveals in the um, post, the mid-credits scene, that T'Challa and her had a child, which is very interesting because... And this is what I thought immediately as soon as I saw a child T'Challa, a young T'Challa, because this is, he's also called T'Challa, because why not, right? Um, <laughs> um, I thought, is he going to be part of this similar move towards a young Avengers team? 
Now, obviously, he would be a lot. He's a lot younger. He's like six at the moment. But the the young Avengers, as yet, seems to be a lot wider in scale of um, in scale of age than previously we'd we'd have expected. Um, you know, you've got Kate Bishop, who's a lot older than say your um your Cassie Lang, um and stuff like that. So it, it or, or maybe I, I'm I, I'm not exactly sure on ages, so I could be wrong on that. But the idea is I think it will be slightly um you know, it, it might be slightly more varied than previously, which is very interesting. And so I'm wondering if eventually the idea is that um T'Challa, young T'Challa, T'Challa Jr., if you will, um will become a a a Black Pantherite. A, a Black Panther junior uh within a young avengers team or something akin to that going forward which would be very interesting it'd be very cool um i don't think we've ever had a younger black panther as far as we're aware in the comics or anything i could be wrong but like a younger almost like uh, like a cub like panther cub like that would be kind of cool that would be a kind of cool concept right like a younger black panther i like it i like that a lot actually um but yeah so there's that there's also um obviously the implication of mutants in this film now Neymar's was very interesting because the way they explained it is that he was his mother imbibed an herb that essentially gave him his mutations which technically makes him fall into the mutant category because he was born with his um, abilities but technically i wonder if i and someone would have to kind of fact check me on this but i wonder if that's not actually a mutate rather than a mutant um because yes it would have changed his dna i i guess but that's not necessarily the marker of i don't know what you would get you would say it as because i think with mutants the idea is that the genetic augmentation happens just by nature of like dna changing right like dna just goes lol here's a mutation right so i don't know if neymar is actually technically a mutant within the mcu then um but he because he fits he fits some criteria but not others and so it's kind of that weird thing of is he a mutant or is he actually a mutate despite being born dna enhanced dna changed from the get-go um yeah it's it, it's a weird one i was very interested in that watching the movie um but as well this is something i want to talk to sean and i was just thinking there as regards uh Talacan. um the movie looks so bright and vibrant and interesting and alive and i'm very very happy with the color palette and like that type of stuff in this movie as well cinematically it looks brilliant um you know cgi did look slightly weird in places and there was two places where i noticed it there was one part where i think it was a Koyer or or the newer um kind of main member of the dora milaje which her name's slipping my mind at the moment um one of those was fighting at the end in their kind of blue suit which is interesting another interesting midnight something or other i forget off the top of my head but they were really cool as well but one looked slightly off like the the movement looked slightly see like the cgi you could see it um and earlier on when nemo was calling talakan to basically go and attack wakanda 
Um, I'm pretty sure that scene was wholly CGI, which is very weird. Like, don't get me wrong, obviously, you can't have an actor just go under the water for the scene. That would probably cost as much as the CGI. But it just looked very weird for some reason. It looked very game-like, which, again, usually I don't care about that type of stuff, and very rarely do I complain about CGI, but it looked, it looked slightly uncanny valley, which is very weird, very interesting. But yeah, no, I think um, this, this movie has a lot of great fight scenes as well. I think this movie has a lot of great um, dialogue, great um, suspense, great, um, you know, timing. I think this movie has a, um, a lot of um, a good place in the MCU to be doing it, if that makes sense. Like, um, I, I know that sounds weird compared to the pacing comment I said earlier, but timing, what I mean is like, this came at the right time in the MCU, I think. This is like, not a revival, I don't want to say that, because I'm personally a proponent of Phase 4, but I feel like this is like a return to that connectivity, that, that um, sense of universe, that sense of stakes. And I really feel like it, it's a promise for Phase 5, if that makes sense. Um, speaking of that, though, and I totally forgot about this until just now, uh, uh, Valentina Allegra de Fontaine shows up in this movie. I was shocked. I literally audibly gasped in the movie. I think I was the only one. But um, I was just like, oh. I, I was shook. I did not... I did not expect her to be in this movie. Uh, Martin Freeman, uh, Everett Ross, um, said earlier on in the movie that he had a new boss. But I did not expect nor realize it was Val until like she showed up and I was like, damn. And she was really great. Her, she stole her scenes. Um, and it was very exciting. It actually gave me like really, really big excitement for Thunderbolts, which is coming next year or 2024 i can't quite remember but very excited for that and it was nice to see her reappear because she's starting to become a connective tissue in the same way that nick fury had before in the same way that like your colson's or your um your other characters would be your iron man's etc she is now a connective piece that now ties um falcon the winter soldier to black widow and black widow and and falcon to um Wakanda forever. So I'm uh, very excited to see where she shows up next. I imagine probably not where we expect if she's showing up in Wakanda forever. But um yeah, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I think I think I think you can't go wrong with this movie. I, I did not sit there and I, I can't remember once and this is the thing, this movie adapts a lot of source material and changes a lot, especially with Neomarks, etc. Um, to make it work, right? To make it fit within the MCU. Um, and I can't, I can't fault it. I can't think of a moment where I was like, this doesn't feel good. It, it all felt good. Um, there was, there was moments where I was like, I wish this could have been explored a little bit more, but again, that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, because as far as we're aware, Wakanda forever is meant to be, um, kind of the starting point of like a, a, a mini Wakanda cinematic universe, if that makes sense. Like there's meant to be a few series being developed. I'm hoping there's something um, with Okoye as kind of a lead. Um, I'm thinking probably M'Baku and other people as well. Um, and yeah, I'm very excited. This obviously also um, is going to be interesting for Ironheart because Ironheart comes straight off the back of Wakanda Forever. I do think Ironheart is next year. Very excited for that too. Um, but yes, overall, very excited to see where this all goes next. 
I think this is a brilliant addition to the MCU. And I will agree, most people are saying it. I do think sometimes these opinions are hyped, but I do agree that this is probably the best movie of Phase 4, maybe tied with Nowhere Home. Maybe. I personally also like Doctor Strange, but I have lessened my liking of it since um since it's coming out which happens a lot recency bias it, recency bias is a thing um not that not that you should like give into it so to speak you should always try and like be objective i mean that's the whole point of for what it's nerd to try and be objective about these things and discuss them but a recency bias happens and you get excited for the thing you just watched and then you realize mm, I, there's there's bits you know everything um everything deserves deserves a second look both in the good way and the bad way and uh yeah, but as of right now, I really do like Wakanda Forever. I think it did a really good job of covering a giant chasm that it had to fill. And I think I think Wakanda 3 or Black Panther 3 or however they end up calling it, um, which it probably will be Black Panther. I don't know why I said Wakanda first. I'm uh, I'm not I'm not right right in the, the mind on that one. Um I think it's gonna be great. I think it's gonna be very interesting. Um I don't know where they go next necessarily. I don't know whether like Neymar comes back for uh, Black Panther three or whether it goes to be like another threat and what that threat would be. But yeah, very excited. Um, and it only makes me more excited for when we see the payoff in Secret Wars or Kang um, Dynasty, when we see all these characters come back together and fight some huge ass villain. Um, but yeah, so that's my kind of jumbled thoughts and review on wakanda forever it's nice to be back obviously doing for what it's nerd again and uh we'll be back every week from now on for the foreseeable thank you guys as always for watching and i'll see you next week